Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right, welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian, and we have a special guest for you today, David Fight out of New York, a fellow libertarian activist and a founding member of the Unity Coalition that's getting kicked off here shortly. David, want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, really excited to be on the show, uh, so thanks for having me. I, yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head out of New York. Um, and right now what I'm, what I'm really focused on is this unity coalition and this idea of bringing libertarians together to, uh, you know, use all of our skills for the correct purposes of dismantling the state and freeing the people. Awesome. Uh, well, David, we always like to start with kind of the story of how you got here, because most people weren't born libertarian. So talk to us a little bit about where you came from and what sparked this journey and and how it's gone for you so far. Yeah, uh, I definitely feel like I was born closer to libertarian than the majority of people in the party that I've talked to. I was kind of raised constitutional conservative and nonpartisan. I was raised to respect the government and the police and the military, but to try to interact with the government and the police as little as humanly possible. I was brought up that, you know, you should own as many guns as you can and let make sure that the government doesn't know about them and, uh, and, and taxes are stupid, but you have to pay them and here's how you pay as little as possible. Um, so I, I kind of had a good footing growing up uh, and then I started to get really political actually around 20, uh, 2013 is when I actually kind of paid attention. I watched the end bits of uh, the Romney-Obama race and uh, I really, like I watched the debates in that race and you know, I actually kind of cared and I liked Mitt Romney because I thought that he was doing what I wanted to do. He, uh, he became a successful businessman and then was running for president. Like that was my goals for life. So I kind of saw, saw him as a, as a figurehead. And so I got a little bit more into politics, called myself uh, an independent and, uh, and sometimes a Republican. Uh, usually conservative was the word that I used. And 2016 happened. I watched all of those primary debates and it came down to like Cruz, Trump, uh, Clinton, Sanders. And I was, these guys are all awful. And I was talking about it a bunch of dinner, a bunch of days, and I was really annoying my parents. And finally, my dad was like, well, I, I saw this Gary Johnson guy. Uh, you should look him up. And uh, all right. So I went and looked him up, and I watched about two and a half, maybe three hours worth of videos about Gary Johnson, and, like in one sitting. And I was like, this guy fucking gets it. This guy lines up with everything I believe you know, guns and drugs and anti-war and anti-taxes, like this is everything that I wanted. And so I registered to vote as a libertarian, voted for Gary Johnson, um, I was 19. And so that was my first election and uh, joined the my local party, the January meeting of 2017 and got involved 
kind of sporadically, volunteered for Larry Sharp, and then got really involved after that, ran for office in 2019 here in New York City uh, for city council, and uh, been bouncing around the country working on various campaigns for different parties. Uh, awesome. So <clears throat> you've been both a candidate and have worked on campaigns. Talk a little bit about your candidacy and how that went. Uh, yeah, the, the campaign did not go well. I have no uh, issues uh, being honest about what happened with that campaign. I, I was the greatest thing that I've ever done. It was the most enjoyable thing I've ever done as far as like a career goes. Uh, I absolutely loved it, but I definitely did not put as much work into it as I could have. And I didn't, uh, I, I was in a mindset of uh, expecting assistance and, and funding and stuff from other libertarians. And I was like, well, I'm a candidate. You guys should like me and help me. Uh, and I was, this was two years ago, you know, I was 22, 21, 22. Uh, so it was, I, yeah, I was just very immature when I was doing it, but it was awesome. And I got to spread libertarianism in my community in, in Brooklyn and like kind of wake some people up to the idea of voting not for the Democrats. Uh, I actually currently hold the record for the highest percentage of a libertarian candidate in New York City at 3%. And uh, it, I, I'm very excited for this year where we have a lot more elections in New York City. We have almost 80 elections citywide going on this year. And we have a great chance to be better. That's awesome. What would you have done differently looking back on it? Uh, I definitely would have asked for help more uh, and also gone door knocking more. I spent a lot of time making YouTube videos or like interacting on social media, trying to like, uh, you know, I was in groups community groups and stuff like that. And I really could have prioritized in-person, face-to-face interactions. Uh, and I also could have reached out to people and asked for help from the LP more than I did. Yeah, that door knocking, that's something that gets overlooked a lot. So, <clears throat> you know, we just recently had uh, Chris Powell. He, he won his city council race with 76%. And that was something that he really emphasized in his first run and this next one was the door knocking and getting in front of people and all of that. So coming off of that campaign and then going to work on other campaigns, what all campaigns have you worked on? Ooh, um, I'm going to I'm going to lose some some friends being honest here. Uh, so I worked on Larry Sharp's camp. I volunteered. Let me put it that way. I volunteered for Larry Sharp and then uh, also Devin Volkind, who was running along with me in 2019 here in the city. Uh, then 2020, I worked for Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I worked for Young Americans for Liberty. So there was a slew of candidates there in that unfortunately included um, Lindsey Graham and Donald Trump. Uh, and then also ended up in South Carolina on the Joe Biden campaign for about four days. 
Um, and then back to uh, Libertarian candidate here in New York City, Stacey Pressman this year. Well, that's quite the spread. How do you how do you wind up working on Tulsi and y'all in the same in the same couple of years span? Um, I I got involved with Tulsi while I was still running for office. I was actually taking uh, biweekly trips to New Hampshire to volunteer for her during my campaign uh, because. Uh, you know, I was I was building a coalition of people that were, were also doing that and also, you know, helping me the rest of the time here in the city. And it was it was definitely worth it for the campaign to also be kind of it was like a team building exercise in my mind to, to go uh, help Tulsi. And then I was I was there full time a week after my campaign ended uh, and then COVID hit and was home for a couple of months and then got a call from an awesome lady named Maggie Anders who said, hey, you wanna work on some liberty-minded candidate campaigns in, uh, in Michigan? I said, yeah, and found out, I mean, I knew what Yao was. Uh, I knew that they were all Republicans and I tried to grill her, but she, she sold them pretty well and I had nothing better to do and I knew that Yao is at least accomplishing something. You know, I would be accomplishing more for liberty working for Yao than I did sitting at home. So I did that until the the Trump Ram thing happened. That's when I was like, okay, no, we can't, we can't do this. I'm not okay with that. Um, and then went to petitioning and bounced around and met a whole bunch of people petitioning for a little bit. And that's. Uh, the friends that I made there is why I ended up on Biden's campaign. It was actually kind of a fame for friend. Sure. No, that's awesome. Maggie is a, is a fantastic friend of the show. We love Maggie. Yeah, Maggie's the greatest. She's she's such a she's such a blast. Uh, her work is is insane. What she's doing in the party and stuff. Yeah, yeah. no pressure, but she still holds, uh, she still holds the record for the most listens of any podcast episode we've done. I'll, yeah, I'll see yeah. what I can do about breaking that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so coming off of those campaigns and then um, you started the podcast after those campaigns or you were already doing it because uh, we haven't plugged your podcast yet. Uh, yeah, so I started the actual YouTube channel during my campaign to make... Uh, both videos about the campaign and then just kind of informational videos so that I could send people to something to find out about my platform. Uh, and then let it go completely dry the entire time I was working for Tulsi. Then I revived it during that three months that I was home during COVID. Uh, that was when it, I was doing it live and I was doing it, uh, I was doing a lot more like work into production and research and stuff because I was doing a solo thing and a live thing with guests and I had awesome a whole bunch of great people on in that time frame and then I went back to work and kind of stopped again and just uh over the holidays revived it and so for the last two months it's been going pretty heavy and it's been going really awesome actually uh I 
was not expecting to be able to meet the cognitive caliber of people that I've met through this That's awesome. So talk, talk a little bit about the podcast. What are your goals with it going forward? Oh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, it's called uh, Fight for Liberty, uh, the, the number four. And the, the original goal of it was to try to educate people, uh, you know, to try to be kind of like an unbiased news source. And I realized over the first couple, like doing it during that quarantine time period that I am not the best researcher out there. I'm not the most knowledgeable policy person out there. Um, and not that I couldn't research and, and do those things, but that just wasn't my goals in life. And it was better served for my audience to just have guests on and, and help and have uh, help give people a platform to, to teach people uh, and just have great conversations and meet with awesome people. And so basically the goal of the show at the moment is to promote people who are doing awesome things for the movement, give them a chance to, to sell that. That's really cool. Speaking of awesome things, talk a little bit about the Unity Coalition. What's going on there? Hmm. So the Unity Coalition is something that was started by one of my actual in real life friends, uh, Reed Coverdale, who is uh, also the naturalist capitalist on, on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, he tweeted out something on the first of the year and tagged like a dozen libertarians. Um, I think yourself included, Todd. Uh, I think you were in that list, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it was a, a Joe Jorgensen ad about unity. It was like, can this be our, our energy? And a whole bunch of people responded and said yes. And uh, a whole bunch of people started following him and talking to, to him. And we got a, a recognition that no one was really expecting. We had like Dave Smith and Spike Cohen talking to each other respectfully to this. And we had uh, just a whole bunch of people with great energy. And so we had already had a group chat uh, that contained a lot of these people. And so we kind of branched off, started another group chat and a, and a whole bunch of people that wanted to see the Libertarian Party grow and come together and ditch this infighting and the BS. Uh, and it, it's like it really started as a Twitter group chat, and now you know it's a it's a movement of people who are meeting and organizing and sharing resources and sharing information and trying to grow the liberty movement in a bunch of different ways. And I'm really excited to see what that can accomplish in the next year or two. And I'm already really excited by what we've seen so far. With people like Dave Smith toning down his rhetoric and like acknowledging that left libertarians aren't evil and that um, you know that he played a solid role in why people thought he thought that um, I think that was a huge move on his part gained a lot of respect from me because I used to hate him and uh, you know stuff like that I think we can see more and more and more of I'm just really excited to see people. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, 
Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I was saying, yeah, it's crazy to see how much steam it has gained in the past couple of months. You know, um, I saw it and kind of thought it would fizzle out a little bit like the bottom unity thing did. And then it kept growing. And then, you know, I had to get involved in it. It's, it's been something that I've talked about for a while. So I really applaud you guys for getting that started and all the work that you've done and all the work that you're still doing behind the scenes. It's a, uh, it's really huge. Do you um, feel comfortable talking about what your end goal is with it? Are we, are you going to become a caucus? Are we going to, continue this on or or is it just the hashtag and the movement of the culture what's the end goal so that is currently still uh long-term goal is still under discussion shorter term goal which you know the next like year or two no caucus that that that's that's a definite no caucus um the entire point of it is to put an end, not put an end to caucuses, but to put an end to the caucus fighting. So we were actually originally the Unity Caucus, uh, and then we very quickly, uh, after the basically the first meeting that we had, uh, changed it to the Unity Coalition because that just represents who we are so much better. Because we are, we're just a bunch of people that came together, and you know, from a dozen different caucuses, we have. Uh, members of the Woodchipper Caucus, we have members of the Waffle House Caucus, we have members of the Carnegie Caucus, I'm a Prague, we have a bunch of Mises people, uh, there's Libsox, there's, uh, there's less Libsox in the, in the group than I wish there was. That's basically my biggest critique of our group. Yeah, you left out the uh, I'm a Macno anarcho communist Mises shill. So I think I'm the most diverse of the group. Right. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, the goals of it, I think there's a possibility of either a uh, 501c3 nonprofit or a C4 like PAC forming uh, between actually what I really see is, is a bunch of amongst this group because and a bunch of co-working between them all and a whole bunch of things happening. I think the end goal of this group is impossible to quantify right now because I think we're gonna I think the group is gonna blow my mind. Yeah I think um, I sure I shared Kevin's thoughts when it first came out. I was skeptical on how long it would last a lot of times we talk about unity and it kind of um, completely stops, you know, eight hours later. So I've been pleasantly surprised. And I think that people have gotten off track and then kind of centered back, you know, after and apologized and or just forgot, forgave and forgot. Um, and it's just been interesting to see some of the bigger names actually bring it up and talk about it. So good job, guys. I think it's a, it's a worthwhile effort um, I'm not sure about ending caucuses. I think they play a role in the party, but I yeah yeah I, I misspoke there. I meant uh, like ending the infighting between them, sure, and not ending caucuses. I definitely came off the way I said that. I, yeah, I don't no want problem. to end caucuses. Yeah, I just want <laughs> want people to realize. I think there's a 
I think there's valuable recruiting and candidate recruitment and candidate support, you know, um, function that they play. None of that uh, should include infighting. In fact, it should not include infighting, but it often does. And I think what you guys are doing is making what I, Kevin and I were talking offline and what is cool about what's happening right now is before infighting was the norm. And now when people infight, because so many people are talking about unity, it's kind of amplifies the fact that they're infighting uh, and makes them look silly, which I think is really good. I think um, it, it even catches me, you know, when I start to do it, um, I realize that I'm the only one doing it and I pull back, you know what I mean? So, and if we can get that to be the norm where you can have your bad five minutes, but you pull back, the party's gonna be better off for it. I think we also definitely need to make sure that we're understanding of people that have those bad five minutes. Uh, you know, people, it's Twitter, you know, it's literally designed to make us argue with each other. So there's a extreme need for understanding of when somebody does sound like they're being an asshole. Maybe you're misreading it, maybe they're mis misspeaking, or maybe they're just in a bad mood. Um, I, I credit the energy and the consistency, you know, you guys both were talking about having doubts of it lasting. And the reason I didn't is because a big chunk of the people that came into this were either uh, volunteer, like heavy volunteers, or at least supporters of Fools and Gabbard. Uh, and the attitude that she has about politics and her aloha that she talks about that we actually got to experience on a daily basis and, and interact with and learn and not over months of working for her. Uh, it really, it's, it's just a better, more enjoyable way to live life in my opinion. And we kind of transit as we moved up, we all came back to the LP from that and we saw the infighting and we we're like, can we bring that Aloha back? Like, we want, we want to bring that into the LP. And that was kind of the original uh, energy that started it. It was, it was of just bringing that same attitude we had on that campaign into candidates here. Oh, that's really cool. Really cool. So what's next for you? Uh, at the, the moment, coalition. say again, outside of the unity coalition, what's next for you? Or is that going to be your big focus going forward? Um, so I definitely think that there are going to be projects that hopefully take up a chunk of my time that are going to spring out of the unity coalition. Uh, the coalition itself isn't going to take up a majority of my time, uh, but I'm working uh, full time or, or volunteering, I should say, full-time for Stacy Pressman here in New York City and doing the, the show. Uh, we just launched, uh, launched a whole bunch of episodes this week because I had stable internet and a, and a nice place to record. So just kind of ramping up that. We just launched a merch store. Um, it's just kind of going to continue this ball that I have rolling here for this year, uh, here in the city. And 22, hopefully Kim Ruff in Arizona. Very cool. Talk a little bit about the uh, Pressman campaign. Um, yeah, so Stacy Pressman is, is probably 
of the of all the campaigns that I've worked on, she definitely ranks uh, pretty high up on just most enjoyable people to work with. Uh, she is the polar opposite of Tulsi in the like super cool PC thing. Um, she is a stand-up comic and an activist, and from born and raised in Brooklyn, and is a very um, straight-talking, honest. That, I, that I'm, I've very much enjoyed getting to know. But politically, she's actually kind of a new or libertarian. She's a, she's a recruit through Larry Sharp. Uh, kind of reached out to her a year or two ago and got her involved. And she's definitely one of those uh, you know people in that 80% that we talk about that are libertarians and just didn't know it. So it's been it's been great. Getting a, a somewhat nuanced opinion of the Libertarian Party and that the, and the platform that we have for this campaign is really of the people, not of the policy LP wants. You know, uh, and that's been a real kind of key case. Uh, we have a lot of people from outside the LP involved in this campaign, so it's got just fresh eyes that I'm really enjoying seeing. I think it has a lot of steam, and this. Race is shaping up to be one of the most politicized races in America after the 16 and 20 elections, obviously. Uh, Andrew Yang is getting a whole bunch of media, and we're keeping up in some of the ways. We're getting on a lot of these candidate breakdowns and a lot of these forums. Uh, she actually basically went one-on-one. -on -one not in a debate, but in a forum with Eric Adams, who was the second for the, for the most of the polls. And it was great. He said on multiple occasions, like I really agree with Stacy here, uh, you know, she's getting a lot of, of good press and good publicity that is kind of, it's not something that we as libertarians are really used to. So it's a nice change of pace there. That's really awesome. That should be an exciting race. Yeah, and it's and it's going to set the precedent for what I'm assuming will be a, a Larry Sharp run in 22. Uh, you know, even if we don't win this mayoral election, if we get double digits uh, in the city, and we show that we can get that again the following year, it enough to bridge the gap between the Democrats and the Republicans. It makes, uh, it makes the Democratic governorial candidate not a guarantee for the first time in a while. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kevin, what so, else you today? So in a, in a heavily Democrat state like New York, are one of the things that Todd gets tired of me talking about is our messaging to the left and Democrats and the fact that I think that we should be messaging to them far more than what we are. Um, are you guys taking that approach? What is your approach with New York? Are you trying to pull Dems that may be disenfranchised with um, the current setup or are you trying to appeal to Republicans or both or what is, what is your strategy there? Uh, the strategy is, is almost, it's not, it's both both and neither, I would say. Uh, it's not about a, too much of a targeted approach 
towards a certain like demographic or ideology. It's about just putting out common sense uh, platform pieces, you know, of the very strong thing that Stacey has advocated for in all the policy conversations is for them to be uh, simplified, solution oriented, and just common sense. Uh, so we're talking about education reform, criminal justice reform, and a bunch of different things, but just easy, not easy, but just simple step-by-step <coughs> -step solutions to fix these problems that New Yorkers have. Uh, and then the plan is just to get that message out to literally anyone that will listen, um, which yes, in New York City is mostly Democrats. So you know, we're going to democratic forums and more democratic meeting events, mostly just because there's more of them, but I'm not gonna shy away from uh, some former Republicans or some Green Party people or some burners. I, I'll take anybody. We, we need that 80% that is libertarian to actually show up and realize it. And that's what I really like about this campaign. It's not targeted into any ideology. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I think that's a that's an interesting strategy to take as well, because, uh, you know, something that you and I have talked about, something that Todd's talked about, something that a lot of libertarians have talked about is the majority of America is libertarian. They just don't know it. So I think having a campaign that focuses on that, um, especially with somebody like you coming in who has, you know, had a campaign, made mistakes, learned from those mistakes and can kind of <clears throat> help steer the ship and say like, hey, this is, you know, what you don't need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not the campaign manager, thank you. There's uh, Paul Grindle, who is a much more intelligent and experienced person than me in campaigning, is running it. Uh, I'm currently the volunteer coordinator, and I get to interact with a lot of the people that are getting fired up. And a lot of these people are kind of like new, are very new libertarians. They they know Stacy from her, her comedy days or her acting or something else, and they're just now finding out what libertarianism is. Uh, but there are a couple of holes in the like executive team that I'm that I'm covering also. Uh, so I've been trying to get fundraising uh, going a little bit harder and uh, really trying to help make sure that all the different parts of the campaign are my main focus is coordination. And you know, you mentioned you know that it's great that I'm on the campaign because I have experience. What's really great about the campaign is we're trying to bring on as many like extremely experienced people. And I'm I'm the little fish you know, in this pond, honestly, when it comes to the caliber of people that we've, uh, we have involved with the campaign. And even if they're just, uh, we have a bunch of people that are just kind of advisors, uh, but we also have people that are full-time volunteers that are really the policy team is going nonstop doing research on laws and details of that and how we can it and I'm just kind of blown away over here managing a Facebook group and, and getting people to, to show up to events. That's awesome. When is the election? Uh, it is November 2nd. I have to do that. Very cool. Know that. Yeah. November, <laughs> November 2nd, yes. 
Awesome. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on as it gets closer to it. Give us an update on how it's going. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, very cool. Well, hey, take a minute and tell everybody where they can find you. Pitch all your social media so that people can get a hold of you. All right, we've got most, most social medias that you can think of. Uh, so Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, um, all at Fight for Liberty is how you get a hold of the show. Um, Facebook and Twitter are both uh, at David Fight. Uh, and then you can get me on Instagram. My personal is dfight4. Uh, yeah, just give me a follow. We, like I mentioned earlier, we did just launch a merch store. So you can go to shop.fightforliberty.com and there's some t-shirts. There's uh, a, like a neck, a wrap around the neck face mask. Uh, there's a beanbag chair cover. I don't know why I, I had to design it. There was, there was a customizable beanbag chair cover that I could put on my site. So I did. <laughs> Uh, you have a Patreon too, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. You're right. Uh, Patreon.com slash Fight for Liberty. Yes. Very cool. Well, no, thank you for everything you're doing. Looking forward to big things in the future. We're definitely going to have you back on to talk more about the Unity Coalition and the Pressman campaign. Kevin, you got anything else? Uh, I want to shout out. Thanks for having me on earlier today. Um, for all of our listeners that want to listen to me, uh, Dave is going to be uploading the episode here pretty soon. Um, Dave has also volunteered to host my opponent in the OKLP chair race, Rex Lawhorn. So Rex will be on there, and then we are setting up a debate on David's show between the two of us. So be sure to tune in for that as well. Very cool. Very excited about that. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be great. So everybody, be sure to tune into that. Um, even if you're not OKLP, just to hear um, a debate and see kind of the inside and two different viewpoints on, on how a um, state-level affiliate should be ran. It, it'll, it'll, I think it'll be really great. I'm really grateful for David for doing that. And that's it. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks again for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot, sir. Looking forward to having you again.